not at all miserable people because we are here to discuss NXT No Mercy and nobody is miserable after that show except maybe Tiffany Stratton uh, and maybe Dom Mysterio but holy shit I all right maybe maybe jump into conclusions here but I think that we had maybe quite possibly match of the year for the WWE company I I just had to get that out uh, welcome to this NXT No Mercy recap, Hollywood Heels podcast. I'm the rock star. I'm the Renaissance man, the Duke Russo, and I am joined by none other than the divine voice himself, Henron. Dude, was that was that a hot take? No, as far as WWE is concerned, and as far as an in-ring performance is concerned, I mean, up to up to now, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that would beat it. We've had some ones that are close, and they've involved both of these gentlemen. So, for yeah, you you might be hitting the nail on the head. Yeah, I mean the the I I think this is unquestioned the singles match of the year, and the only matches that like for me were comparable were um jimmy and jay beating roman and solo and uh ko and sammy winning the tag titles to me those were those three matches including in case you haven't figured out what we're referring to is Ilya dragunov versus carmelo hayes um I think those are the three matches of of the year so far for WWE. Obviously, only one of those is singles. And I'm still, out of the other two, I'm still going to give it to Dragunov and Carmelo Hayes. Entering this PLE, um, Ilya Dragunov was unquestioned my favorite NXT wrestler. And he may have emerged as my favorite wrestler right now, period. Yeah, he put on a hell of a performance, and he does what he always does. He goes hard, he goes out to impress, and he does his job. And I mean, if he continues what he what he's doing right now, that's a long career, and he just does no wrong. No, he does not. Um, so just to quickly go over the match card that we had here, uh, No Mercy is coming from Bakersfield, California. We had a pre-show match between Blair Davenport and Kalani Jordan. Blair Davenport picks up the win. We had the Braun Breaker versus Baron Corbin as the first official uh, match of the pay-per-view, PLE, sorry. Um, Baron Corbin hits Braun Breaker with end of days after distraction to pick up the win in this one. We had the North American title on the line with champion Dom Mysterio defending against Trick Williams with a guest referee of Dragon Lee. And new North American champion Trick Willie takes the victory after essentially pinning Dom three times. We had the tag title match. We had the family defending with Tony D'Angelo and Stax with the challengers of the Creed Brothers, OTM, and 
Angel and Umberto. I think they have a tag team, Los Lusarios. I don't know, something like that. I feel like I heard them say at some point. Um, I don't recall. After looking like it would have to be Stax finishing this match alone, the family defends their titles and remain champs. After that, we had the Heritage Cup match with the current cup holder, Noam Dar, defending against Butch. Um, we'll, we'll delve into this more when we get to this match, but the, the, the match rules for this match are too convoluted for me. Ultimately, Noam Dar successfully gets two out of three pins to retain the cup. Then we had the banger. Ilya Dragunov versus Carmelo Hayes for the NXT Championship and new as if it was destined. Ilya Dragunov defeats Melo in my personal match of the year. And then the main event, which was a high-pressure main event to have to follow that match. We had Tiffany Stratton challenging Becky Lynch for the NXT Women's Championship in an Extreme Rules match, which uh, basically was a no-DQ match, but the pinfall had to occur in the ring. And still champion Becky Lynch retains after bouncing Tiff's head off of a pile of chairs with a manhandle slam. This was one hell of a PLE for NXT. Yeah, it was a was a hell of a show. Um, I'm glad you know we got a women's main event. They they put a lot of hype on that. Tiffany came out to perform tonight. Man, they really gave them a lot. Um, you know, no slouch to really anybody on this show. Um, we'll you know I'll get into my details into each of the matches here this evening. But really, really good overall show that we had today. Yes, it was. Um, realistically, the first match, the pre-show match, to be completely honest, I didn't catch all of. I came in about halfway through it, um, but it wasn't really a long match. And to be honest, neither of these two women do a whole lot for me in the ring, Kalani Jordan or Blair Davenport. Um, Kalani Jordan tries to hit this like split-legged moonsault where she like tries to get up the ropes by bouncing up them like Tiff does in her prettiest moonsault, but it's just awkward and it comes across lame instead of impressive. Blair Davenport wins, but really what we needed to know happened after the match. Gigi Dolan shows up. She goes after Blair Davenport. And then later in the night, we get announced that this will be the match on this coming Tuesday's NXT of Gigi Dolan versus Blair Davenport. Uh, wh what do you have to say about this one? So I actually missed the pre-show. I actually was unable to even catch the show live. I tried to rewatch it, and it still hasn't shown up on Peacock for me. I actually watched the show in Espanol. So <laughs> we have a very um, interesting review that I got going on here. Yeah, I watched the entire thing in Spanish. So all I caught was the main show in Spanish. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, your notes are going to be real interesting here. But honestly, thankfully, there were little to no segments. Um, and it was just pure action, nonstop. Um, so, like, we get into the show with 
the badass old school no mercy video game intros dude these really did it for me man it really did like i literally have no mercy in my closet i was like oh my god dude, i want to go bust that thing out right now it looks just like it diggity dig, diggity dog just the music the the character the fact that they did it for every match as well and they had all of the wrestlers and then their characters and then they made them look like shitty like how the game actually looked back in the day it was fucking fantastic yeah i i loved it i loved the vibe from it um i was expecting them to like because they dropped this image before i don't know if it was on twitter or maybe they teased it in either like smackdown or the go home nxt one of the one of them um they did it but and i was expecting it for just like I, I kind of consider them the two main events. Uh, I know that it wasn't billed that way. They they went out of their way to make sure it was announced and billed as Becky and Tiff were the main event, which, like you said, it was nice to see, a, especially in the NXT, a women's match main eventing a PLE with other serious matches in it. Um, so I, I understand what they were going for there, but it just felt like two main events. So I expected it to be for Dragonov and Mello and then Tiff and Beck but I didn't I wasn't expecting the entire show to have everybody done in that way and I thought it was a really nice touch 100% very cute um I wish they did more stuff like that but then it's hard to say exactly what they could do it like because i didn't play you know raw versus smackdown 2007 i think that's like another hype one but like i didn't play that one so like i wouldn't know what that looked like but i don't know i i just this just gave the show a tone and i, I don't know it, it felt good yeah i dug it um and we we got right into our straight ma- uh straight into our first match which i was surprised that this was our first match which you know, with how built up it was, the fact that it's one of the top guys in NXT versus a guy that's been one of the top guys on the main roster. I was actually really surprised that this is how we opened the show. But it was it was a pretty good match. Um, you know, Baron Corbin versus Braun Breaker. Baron Corbin made his entrance uh on a custom chopper which I had a, a couple chuckles at. Um, I, I've ridden two wheels for a long time myself. And I was like, yeah, the, those, those like long fork choppers, they don't turn very well at slow speeds and in tight areas. And I was like, that's going to suck. And then, yeah, he, uh, he definitely had a ginger time making it around the ring with that thing. Uh, I, I didn't feel like the ring circle was really necessary, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, and it took them a long-ass time to even get in the ring to ring the bell. Um, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll let you go through the match. But ultimately, you know, we, we ended up with Mr. Stone coming out, distracting Braun Breaker, and allowing Baron Corbin to hit the end of days to get the pin. What do you got here? Yes, and so that I, I'd like to start off with Braun Breaker coming out with the big wolf head on where my dog's at, Roof Roof, you know, he, as he comes out. And all I can think of was, I think it was Deontay Wilder, didn't he come out with like a giant animal thing on it? And he complained that it was so heavy that it weighed him down and that's why he lost the fight. I was like, we all know Braun's going to win, but I'm just thinking like if he loses, that's a, hey, there's your excuse right there, buddy. Too heavy. Exactly, exactly. And then we had... 
Corbin coming out on his motorcycle. And I'm like, kid, you're not the Undertaker. You can't do that. Um, I did notice when he was, you know, struggling to get around the the ring and basically walking this thing, not driving it. Number one, what's up with that exhaust? I feel like if I'm in the front row, I don't like that. I didn't sign up for this. Number two, as he's going around, I'm like, there's no stairs. I'm like, where the where the stairs go, which we see in a little bit. But I'm like, where the stairs go? Like they just they just move the stairs. Like what, what happened? Um, but uh, and then it looks like he had a nice fresh shave because he looked super bald. Like his head was gleaming, so he had to get that nice and shiny for the pay per view. Um, you know, to get things set up. But the match didn't even start. You know, Corbin he had to go and park his motorcycle. And like you mentioned, it took a while. You know, before we got things going, we go park his motorcycle and make sure that it's okay. And I was like, that's going to come in into play in the match later. That's what I told myself. And I, you know, I was stupid for thinking so. But out of nowhere, uh, Braun Breaker over the top rope, just, you know, flip dives onto Corbin and completely annihilates this man. And he got some air on that. You know, uh, Breaker's not, you know, like a high flyer that we know of but extremely athletic and that's that's a tone that we see from a lot of these younger athletes austin theory uh we see the creed brothers later these kids are just extremely athletic it's crazy so i'm very excited for the potential of what we're going to see from this young talent but this was a fun little fun little match here as we get back into things after you know breaker kind of regains himself and they're still on the outside there's two security guards just uh just hanging out by the by the ringside and i don't know why they were there they immediately breaker through corbin over the barricade and they they went right by them so they clearly weren't trying to stop them from getting out into the audience we get you know some audience fighting as they make the loop around and get back to the ringside and then the security guards are now at the other end and they're just standing there and i'm like why are you here and then breaker just knocks them out and <laughs> I'm like, okay, like, I guess that's what that was for, but it's just weird. There was no purpose for them to be out here, but but they were. Um, but we finally, you know, get into the ring after Corbin um, had uh, hit him with a clothesline, and you know, to finally start the match. But before we actually started the match, there was another little portion here where we start. We saw where those stairs went. Uh, Corbin actually put Breaker on the table. And Corbin climbed said steps to get the senton, you know, to the prone um, breaker who's just laying on the table. But he rolls out the way and, you know, Corbin just eats the table. And then they're both back in the ring for the match to actually finally begin. There was a tone by breaker. He was kind of pumping himself up, you know, jacking himself up. The guy's on the juice, man. You know, I'm not really saying that he is, but he was juiced up, you know, just, <laughs> you know, like in random moments of the match, like he just was doing that. And that's something that we kind of see playing into the, the finish as well. Um, but we had some nice moves here. Uh, Breaker is able to get a fireman's carry onto Corbin and hits a big uh, lung blower onto Corbin. Interesting move. I'm not the hugest fan of that, but not something you see every day. So that was nice. Um, they are fighting up top. Breaker gets pushed off and he sprints back up to the top rope for the big Frankensteiner, which was great. He then picks him up into the overhead press slam for a two count. That was great as well. 
Uh, Corbin gained a little bit of momentum. He hits a big Death Valley driver for a two count. And then he catches him into this deep six where I swear he spun this man around six times. And there was just so much momentum from Breaker. He was probably going to go flying out of the ring. It looked like he literally had to have been caught by Corbin. And he was able to move that momentum into his spin to save the guy's life because they were so close to the ropes as well. Even if he slammed him, he would have slammed him down into the ropes. So he was able to, you know, pull him back into the middle. But he he added at least a rotation and a half than he normally does on the deep six. But that was uh that was very, very beautiful. And not not the first time it would have been that Corbin has saved somebody um on a move like that. But you know, after that, um, Breaker is able to get it, some control. He hits a clothesline, sending Corbin to the outside. And Corbin's just standing next to the announce table. Crazy Breaker, badass Breaker, charging in at him. Corbin counters this into a big choke slam right through the announce table. And both men are just lying down. And at this point, Braun Breaker just sits up like the Undertaker. And then this is when he's just, oh, he's just flexing and screaming and he's he's on the juice right here he gets up hits the spear on the outside gets back into the ring with homeboy takes the straps down and he breaks it it's breaking time and out of nowhere senior stone coming from the top he hits the tries to go for the crossbody onto braun breaker but he catches him throws him onto the top of a pile of security guards that are randomly out there as well end of days eod out of nowhere and we get the one two three and corbin wins i was actually surprised that corbin won but maybe it was the uh the heavy ring gear that you know slowed breaker down it might have been it might have been i i wasn't like super impressed with this match i'm i'm also just not the biggest corbin fan um he's had his moments you know and i mean the dude's gone through probably more character changes than i think i've seen anybody go through uh (laughs) maybe except for like la Knight (laughs) at this point um but yeah I'm, i'm not like the biggest fan of him but these two paired really well together uh braun breaker is obviously like one of the top 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 talents in nxt and they're both super powerful um you know baron corbin being a former nfl player himself um can go toe-to-toe with braun breaker as far as power goes you know corbin's significantly taller but braun breaker is just fucking jacked dude um so he he always makes it look really impressive we had a moment like before uh before the match started and while they were tussling on the outside and it spilled onto the announce table it caused some issues where we lost commentary for a while and we basically just dealt with like the ring audio and i was like you know i kind of like this i kind of like there being like little to no commentary so i don't know because you were listening to the spanish one i don't know if you if you had any of the same things but like apparently they they fucked up some cables when they were on the announce table so we lost book and uh i don't even remember who was with book um 
for a while and it was just silence and then they come back saying oh yeah you know we had we had technical difficulties and then it happened again when corbin sent breaker through the announce table which yeah him sitting up like undertaker you know there were several undertaker references in this match but we lost commentary again for a little bit at that point and like i don't know this might be a thing for me i think i might want to see some matches with zero commentary and literally just listen to the audio of the match yeah, they they definitely had no technical errors on the Spanish broadcast because it all came through, <laughs> and there was not not a pause, um, in that. But we we can never forget, man. You can't you can't put the slouch on Corbin. He is he did retire to Olympic gold medalist, and he was the last person to pin Roman Reigns. You know, so of course he'd be not anymore. Jey Uso pinned him. He's the last person oh, to pin yeah. him in a singles match. There you go, there you go. And yes, he did end the career of Kurt Angle, which, um, you know, is is sad, but I think really Kurt Angle ended the career of Kurt Angle, let's be Yeesh. honest. Um, I still haven't watched that that Kurt Angle documentary on Peacock yet. I need to. Yeah, I'm not a big documentary person. I should sit down and watch all that stuff, but I don't know. It's just a bit much for me sometimes. Yeah, it can be. I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll watch it at some point, let you know. Um, so after this match, we had our North American Championship match: Trick Willie versus Dirty Dom with guest referee Dragon Lee. Um, Dom's black eye was looking extra spicy for this match. It's starting to turn from the purple to the nasty yellow, and it was huge. And there were a couple moments where it looked like Trick. Like, just straight up smacked him in that exact spot. That must have sucked for Dom. Um, ultimately, Trick pins Dom three times. There were two ref bumps in this. Um, ref bumps are literally, like, my least favorite thing in the entire business. I don't know why they annoy the shit out of me, but they just do, and I'm never happy about them. I can understand it a little bit more when it's a guest ref who's also a performer, um, like, you know, Dragon Lee getting super kicked in the face. All right, that that stuff, because it builds to something. But when some, like, a random dude, it, well, you know, some of these refs are been here for a hot minute, but... When it's like somebody that doesn't, I don't know. I just don't like ref bumps. But yeah, Trick basically pinned Dom three times. Finally, the third time, Dragon Lee was there to, to do the three count. Um, and surprisingly, Dragon Lee called a very fair down the middle match, despite the fact that Dom quick counted him when Dom was his guest referee. So how'd you feel about this match? Yeah, like I felt that um, Dragon Lee was basically a non-factor. You know, it, it literally could have been any ref in there because he literally acted just like any ref. I don't know what happens when you wear the stripes. That just makes you a little bit more fragile, you know, but it just happens every single time. Um, but I'll, I'll jump to the start. And it was nice that Dragon wore a nice little black and white mask to match his, his ref outfit. Um, I love small notes like that. And it starts off with Dom being Dom. You know, he, you know, gets whooped a little bit by a trick. He gets out the ring. He says, give me my belt. I'm going to go home. And why would they give him the belt? Like, if, you're, if you know what he's going to do with that, you know he's either going to cheat or he's going to leave because he wants the disqualification so he doesn't lose the belt. So if you're, stand, if you're over there, like, why would you give him his belt back? Like, no, like, 
go fight. Like, I feel like that should partly be your job as whoever the hell's in the corner holding his crap. Like, I didn't see him, you know, get aggressive or, you know, punk him or anything. They just said, oh, give me it back. And he just gave it to him. No, fool. Like, get your ass back in the ring. Um, But, and I kind of felt that at some points in this match, especially when, you know, Dom started to regain control and he was just grinding out a headlock in the middle of the ring or a chokehold or whatever. We can't have that on PLEs. Those shouldn't be allowed. It just felt like a basic Raw or SmackDown match. And I get it, Trick Williams. He's not the most experienced person, so you can't go out there and, you know, go balls to the wall every second. But uh, we shouldn't have this. And I guess it maybe plays into Dom's character. You know, because he's a heel and people, you don't want to like him. So, of course, he's going to do that to slow things down because that's going to gain him the advantage. But it just kind of killed the experience for me a little bit in this match. And I was really hyped for this. You know, it's Trick Willie. I'm very excited to, you know, see Trick Willie go off. But we just get constant disrespect from Dom as well. At one point, he throws his gum at Dragon Lee. Oh. <laughs> Which was nice. You know, he then eats a fat leg lariat uh, for his trouble um, for disrespecting Dragon Lee right there. But and then there was this one nice little reverse 619 when Trick just ended up, you know, sitting down in the ropes with his back to the outside. And he eats the 619 to the back of the neck. Uh, Pretty nasty. I don't think I've ever seen that variation like that before. And then right after that, you know, Dom is trying to, you know, put him down with the super kick, but Trick dodges and he super kicks Dragon Lee, knocking him out the ring. And Dragon Lee is is just dead. He, he's not moving at all. He's completely passed out. And I get it. It's a super kick, you know, and it's a good move and you might get a two count, but you're a wrestler. If you would normally have taken that, you'd be back up already because he's a ref. Oh, yeah. Nah, his career is over. Um, off of that hit but eventually we get a, a new ref that randomly runs in there which also doesn't happen like sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't maybe because he was a guest referee they had the actual ref just there waiting and back up I, I don't know but we get a nice little um you know super sane mode from trick willie here he gets some rapid fire chops in the corner uh, he hits the big flapjack, hits a kip up, and then hits the trouble in paradise. I don't know if they're calling it something differently, because, again, I, I didn't have English. Um, so I don't know if they're calling it something differently, but he does hit that uh, for a nice little uh, two count right there. And then, you know, eventually um, Dom, you know, regains control. Uh, he hits a headbutt, slow things down. Eventually Dom, like, pushes this other ref, sends them both out the ring. And as you mentioned, you know, anytime Trick did try to get a pinfall, somehow a ref wasn't really in there until finally, you know, Trick goes outside. He wakes up Dragon Lee. While he's doing that, Dom went and he got his title once again. Uh, He tries to go for the hit. Trick dodges, comes back and hits him with just two giant knees, assumingly hitting the title into the face of Dom to actually finally get the three count and win the match for the belt. Yes, sir, and new, and uh, I'm not sad about Dom's reign coming to an end at all, um, and I'm also not sad about it being Trick Willie either. Like, I I really like Trick, um, 
you know, to me, if the Street Profits, Bobby Lashley thing doesn't work out, then, you know, Trick and Mello are like two easy inserts that Bobby Lashley, I'm sure, would love to take on. Um, so for this moment, brief moment, we have both of them being champions. Obviously, it didn't last long. But um, one one funny thing on commentary that you probably didn't get to hear is like, Booker was so conflicted about who he was actually rooting for. Like, you know, usually I, Book, you know, we'll, we'll dig into the heel side a little bit. So, like, he's on Dom's, but he's also a huge Trick Williams fan. So it was like, it didn't sound like he knew what he wanted to happen in this match. But obviously, he's thrilled with Trick Willie coming away from it. Um, but yeah, the ref bumps. This this match, coming off of what was easily Dom's best performance ever against Dragon Lee, this match to me did feel like a bit of a letdown. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I, I feel like it's probably just due to a little bit of lack of experience on Trick Williams' side, because um, I, I believe he's, you know, a little bit newer. But it wasn't too bad. Could have been a lot better. Um, I'd say maybe another year, and we can expect a lot more consistency out of Mr. Williams. Yep, and he's going to get his opportunity to defend that title, hopefully more than once. Um, after this, we had our tag title match. We had the family, Tony D'Angelo and Stax, defending against the Creed Brothers and OTM and Angel and Umberto. Um... I just want to say I don't really like the format of these four tag team matches when there's only two legal men and four tag teams because like it gets really hard to follow who's legal and it's just it's just a lot you know what I mean like either either have four legal men or just don't have a four tag team match because it's just a pain in the ass to figure out who's actually in um and this is twice in a row now that WWE has had me when I thought that knee injuries were legitimate and they weren't. Uh, they had me on Tony D'Angelo's knee injury and they had me on Bianca Belair's knee injury. Both of them, I was like, oh shit, that's real. Like, they're, they're fucked. And in both cases, I was wrong. You know, we, we have to go back to uh, good old Shane O'Mac blowing out his quad in the middle of WrestleMania to to go back to an injury that <laughs> that that we're all like, oh, wow, that's real. And it turned out it was real. Or if you want to go back even a little bit further than that, when Boogs blew out his knee, um, not not too terribly long ago, uh, R.I.P. Boogs's career. Um, but yeah, I was totally got. In this moment, I thought it was real. Um, and then one thing I want to say before I let you take this over is like, dude, Creed Brothers have really grown on me. And out of all of the tag teams that are currently in NXT, they're the ones that I feel like could bring the most to the main roster right now. Yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I don't know why they haven't been moved up yet. Um some people were speculating that that loser leaves town match was going to be when they moved him up. And didn't they get drafted? Uh, I, I thought they, I don't remember them getting drafted, but they've, there have been several people that were drafted that literally never made a fucking appearance. 
Yeah, but they were amazing. Probably the highlights of the match for me. Um, but I'll, I'll just jump right into it from the start. And first of um, Los Lotharios, I believe, is is what their name is. That's it. That's I, it. I completely forgot about it until you had mentioned it as well. And I thought, I don't know Spanish, right? I, I thought that meant like the lovers. And I'm like, they're bad guys now. So I don't know. If maybe they you know, don't want to run by that name. I feel like they need a new name if that is your name. Or maybe we'll see how they spin it. But they got new tattoos. You know what I'm saying? Um, whatever they're they're in remembrance of their father or their uncle or whoever it is and somehow resembling that but if you're gonna get matching tattoos they should go the same direction one of them was like vertical the other one was like diagonal basically horizontal and it just didn't look right um should have been and they're probably just stickers so like you definitely could have adjusted that or put it on there properly but um you know i'm not i'm not a backstage person i'm not in that uh, we did have the intros, and OTM came out on their little tricked-out bicycles, which was which was cute. I felt the entrances were kind of long when they came out as well. But yeah, I this was kind of hard to keep up with who was illegal. You know, I figure you might as well make these things just like a fatal four-way, where like four people can be in at the same time, or make it like a table or just a stipulation match where we can just have everybody fighting because that's all we're going to get anyways. Um, Especially with the titles on the line because like, you know, let's say the family is in, they have no reason to tag, I mean, aside from what happened of like, you know, Tony D'Angelo ended up getting hurt and then Stax being in there by himself. They would have no reason to tag anybody else in because if if uh, OTM pins creed brothers they lose the title so why the fuck would they tag anybody in it made no sense you know yeah it was it was it was a bit much but it was a fun match nonetheless these big you know four ways always are and i feel like that that's what they're relegating with this tag division let's let's keep these multi-man matches let's keep different people involved because i feel like there hasn't been like a lot of story with the family and tony d you know they won the titles great people were happy but They've been planning this dinner, and then we had this four-way, and, you know, I don't, I really haven't seen too many, like, too much story with them, but we'll see. Um, OTM is fun, you know, they, they could do some nice little stomps uh, that Homeboy gets in there. Julius hits a giant flip off the top rope to the outside. That was crazy. Um, we finally get... Uh, Tony D getting stacked or stacks getting Tony D in uh, they do some arm drag you know just throwing stacks into some opponents who are sitting down in the corner and then here we get Tony D picking up two individuals I don't know what he was looking for like a double northern lights or a double flapjack or something and he struggles and his right knee buckles and he goes down and they had me too, bro. I thought this was legit. As I mentioned, I didn't catch this live. So I literally immediately went online, you know, Tony D knee, like, is this guy okay? And then I immediately got the match spoiled for me. So I was like, okay, whatever. So that was, you know, don't, don't Google uh, if you watch things late, guys, and or you'll end up like me. But Dude, Twitter is the enemy sometimes. Yeah, but it was, it was nice what they did there. Um, we get a nice little move by OTM where the guy's hanging in the ropes and he's just sitting on him and they're just kind of 
putting the hand bouncing up and down. I guess that's part of their repertoire that they got, you know, added in their little moves. Uh, we do get some random outside action. Ivy Nile randomly drop kick scripts. So we're probably going to get some OTM versus Creed Brothers action here going in the future. But then we get Beast Mode Brutus takes the straps down after knocking everybody down, going on a little bit of a rampage, and then he gets the ankle lock. I love that he takes the straps down and then he grabs an ankle lock. I get that's like a Kurt Angle thing, but usually you're about to hit some rowdy suplex or something. You're not just going to grab a man's ankle. But we do get some rowdy suplexes because to defend his brother, in comes Julius Creed, and he just starts chucking fools with these overhead belly-to-belly suplexes. Belly to belly, he's on his back, he hits a kip up, no hands. Belly to belly, hits a kip up, no hands. Back to back to back to back on like six fools. And then two guys get in and he hits a double Northern Light suplex and then kips up one more time, just cheering on his brother until everybody finally gets back, breaks us up. And then we just get a big eight way or seven way melee. And the the quote unquote bad guy teams, um, Los Lotharios and OTM are just beating down stacks. They're just taking turns demolishing this man until we get Tony D limping his way back out from the back. You know, officials trying to stop him and he headbutts the official, you know, so that way he could limp his way on down. Basically starts beating everybody up on one leg. At one point, I, I think it was Umberto. He tries to do a springboard, and he does like he catches him in a spear and then puts him down into a spine buster. I'm calling it a spear buster. It was fucking great. Eventually, everybody gets into a corner. We get a four corner suplex, uh, superplex from each corner from all the teams hitting each other, and the ref is just standing in the middle yelling at everybody. And I'm like, you're just playing the odds, brother. You're just hoping that nobody's feet hit you in the head because you can't move in any direction without potentially getting too close to somebody else um, but at this point um otm is kind of getting the advantage they hit a, a pop-up power slam to tony d and then you know they're not able to get that they only get a two count the creeds get in there they got him up in the doomsday device looking for the brutus bomb but they end up hitting a doomsday drop kick by umberto and then, you know, Brutus comes in there. Eventually, after everybody gets sent outside, Brutus uh, jumps and hits the pile. Just a giant cannonball, I guess a Brutus bomb off the top onto the pile. Wild. But we got uh, Lucian Price, who's left in the ring all alone with the family. Uh, he eats the finish, one, two, three, and still your tag team champion, Tony D and Dax. Yeah, and Creed Brothers were definitely the MVPs of that. Um, they had all of the highlight moments, as far as I'm concerned, of like the really good ones. Uh, the Brutus Ball at the end was a banger. Dude, that double Northern Lights into the kip up, like at that moment, I was like, okay, Creed Brothers are winning it. They may not get the pin or the submission here, but like they're winning this match. And then uh, they didn't. Um, also loved when Ivy Nile absolutely demolished Scripps while Scripps was on the stairs. Uh, big, big Ivy Nile fan as well. Um, but yeah, th this was, this was a good match, but 
again, like the, the only two legal men thing, it's just too much to try to follow. And it's like confusing. Uh, there was one point that Booker T said that that was the first ever quadruple super, uh, superplex that he's ever seen. And I find that really hard to believe considering how long this man has been in the business. And when he was, you know, part of the business in a much rowdier time than now, I was like, uh, don't lie to me, man. You've definitely seen that before. And you've probably participated in one before. Um, yeah, I, not, not a bad match by any means. Just again, the formatting, I wasn't the biggest fan of. Yeah, yeah, I, I hate that style, but it was very fun. I don't think that these men are done with each other. Because um, obviously, OTM is the one that got pinned, so they're definitely looking for their revenge. But they also had that beef with the Creeds, so I feel like we might end up seeing another multi-man match here in the future. Maybe, but I would say that if there was any alliance in that match, it was between the family and the Creed brothers. Uh, when Tony D was out, it looked like Stax was looking to the Creed brothers for help. So um, maybe maybe we get another big match or maybe we just get you know, Creed brothers OTM or, or family OTM or something like that. Um, you know, they, they did end up announcing a bunch of upcoming NXT matches, and I don't recall them being a part of any of them. Um, and, I mean, it, I don't know how long they're going to play this Tony D knee injury thing either. So uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting where we go from here on this one. Yeah. Hopefully they, they give us some more background stuff because even in this division like yeah we got the creed brothers who really should be moving on by now you know we got these people who were in the match but i don't know you know los lotharios is meh and otm yeah they're up and comers and but i, I don't who what are the other people in the tag division not you know briggs and jensen they don't deserve to be in the title picture hank and tank don't deserve to be in the title picture who the hell else can we care about down here? Yeah, I, I don't know if, you know, maybe if uh, if Noam Dar finally loses the goddamn cup, we get like Noam Dar, uh, Mensa or something. I don't know. Yeah, um, I'd like to see Noam Dar get involved in something as well. We also got Gallus, Gallus boys on top. So I could see them getting mixed up and potentially what we get a taste of, you know, from the next match here, we, we might get some British strong style action. Maybe we'll see them in the tag division. That could be interesting for sure. A little reunion there. Um, after this, we get the, the backstage segment, a trick showing Mello his a brand new shiny toy. Mello is super hype. Um, but the night ain't over. They still need one more dub. And then we get another quick backstage shot of NBEX T, the man herself, loading up a shopping cart uh, with plenty of toys for her upcoming match. We see things, you know, like uh, kendo stick, trash can lid, plenty of objects for her to use. And in this moment, I thought to myself of like, you know, Beck has been here before. She's she's seen these types of matches. She has that brutality down in her somewhere. She ain't afraid to bleed. We've seen it before. We've seen the broken nose before. But 
pretty Tiffany Stratton has not. And so like in this moment, I was feeling pretty good about Tiff winning, I mean, uh, Becky winning just, just because of her familiarity and being able to dig into that brutality. And the fact that she already knew, she knew to load up that shopping cart. She knows what the rules are or the lack thereof. So, you know, the, the, the spicy experience, the veteran knows how to tip this match in her favor. And we get a little glimpse of that. And then we end up in the Butch Noam Dar Heritage Cup match. These match rules are dumb. They, they're too complicated. They're too convoluted. I don't even fully fucking understand what they are. Like, if you want to make it a two out of three falls match, make it a goddamn two out of three falls match. Get rid of the rounds and all the nonsense surrounding them. Um, I, I don't know how you feel about it. I, it's just weird to me. Yeah, like, and I mentioned previously before, I'm not a big fan. I, I guess I do like that they have this as a changeup. It's something different, you know. It makes you know a different taste on what we normally see. It does provide a showcase to the um, NXT UK division, and I'm glad they gave they gave them something since they just took their TV show away. I'm glad they gave them something. But yeah, it it's a bit much. It's a bit convoluted. But uh, you know, it was it was a fun little match that we had going on here today. Yeah, I just don't like it. No matter how you slice it, it comes down to two out of three falls. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter if it's four rounds. It doesn't matter if it's six rounds. Like it comes down to two out of three falls. So just make it a fucking two out of three falls match. That's my thing with it. Is like it just the round portion doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, yeah, I for sure feel you, and I I feel like maybe there's some type of history that I might be unaware of with this type of rounds, or maybe this is something that they used to do in British wrestling or something along those lines. But I'm uneducated, and I just like you know, to see my people fighting from bell to bell, not bell to bell to bell to bell to bell. I don't watch a lot of boxing. I don't watch a lot of UFC, so I'm watching WWE. You know, I I don't really watch a whole lot of MMA. I do watch some boxing, and uh, still, it doesn't make me any any more excited for it because at the end of the day, it's not like... So in boxing, like, you win rounds, even if there's not a knockout in a round. Like, there's... Yes, there's split decisions, but like usually it'll come down to so and so won this round, so and so won that round. And in this format, there's no winner of a round. You either got pinned the round or you didn't get pinned in the round. And the rounds where nobody gets pinned, there's no winner of that round. So that that's another reason to me why it doesn't make sense. But I digress. Take it away on the match. Yeah, um, and what we did see getting into the match was a little taste, as mentioned before, with some British strong-style action. Uh, Evidently, Butch asked for a corner man, just a little bit of backup, knowing that Metaphor was going to be out there alongside Noam Dar. He asked for his old homeboy, Tyler Bate, to come out there with him, and we see some... We see that play into potential future storylines at the end of the match, but it's nice to see them back together. It's nice to see that younger picture. I think uh, Butch looks exactly the same, and Tyler Bate. I don't know. I, mean, he, I guess he's enjoying his long hair, but I was a, I was a fan of the short hair Tyler Bate. But regardless, um, as we get right into the match, you know, Butch is just doing Butch things, going for wrist control, going for fingers, going for everything that he can get in there. 
and in the first round we don't have any points but after the bell Noam Dar hits a back elbow so already trying to cheat and get the upper hand um, as we get into the next round he you know Noam Dar starts off quick trying to take advantage of that um, back elbow that he dropped on him earlier eventually we get to the outside on the apron and we get a draping or we get brought back into the ring. Noam Dar is holding him in position for a draping DDT, but the ref is counting when normally anybody else would hit the draping DDT. He kind of just lets him go. Um, Butch catches himself, but he's still hanging in the rope, so he's only supported by his hands, and Noam Dar just kicks him in the face. I thought that was really cute, um, but, but that just pissed off Butch, who came back. He came back hard, and he hit three giant uh, kicks into the corner onto Noam Dar, drops the double hands or double stomps on his hands before put, putting them on the apron for the 10 beats. Um, as he's getting the 10 beats, you know, Noam Dar ends up rolling away. The ref's not looking, and we get Oramensa to sneak in there to get a little kick before Noam Dar is able to hit his kick and is able to get the one, two, three to get the first point of the match uh the next round a little bit of a back and forth we end up getting a bitter end finish by butch for the one two three now they're tied one one and getting into the next round butch is just going in he's just forearms and punches and just taking dar down like like they're just watching this man like like if this was in ufc they would have they would have called the match off because it literally was that bad like it was quite a while that he was just going going in on this man he eventually hits a nasty x-plex where he just throws this man does the full follow-through to the ground get some big chops in here I, I wouldn't say he had chops of the night again those those come later but very good chops thrown in here uh noam dar does end up getting a nice brain buster catching him in a triangle but butch is able to hold on right until after the bell rings and he actually passes out um, or I'm sorry, Noam Dar actually passes out right as the the bell rings when it could have been a point for Butch, but he missed out on that. Uh, Dar gets just dragged into the corner by Lash Legend, I believe, just his lifeless body. And as we get into the next match, Butch just starts whooping this man's ass again. Chop, kick, slap, chop, just beating the hell out of this man. Eventually, Noam Dar catches his leg, spins into a beautiful back elbow, which was really nice. Um, we do then get a superplex from Butch. And then, you know, we get the, a 20-second count as we get to the end of the round. And, you know, Butch is trying to break the hands. And as the bell ring, Butch steps on his wrist after the bell, getting a little bit of payback for what he did earlier. Uh, right as we get into the start of this next round, uh, Mensa cheats. He gets a little sneak kick in there. Noam Dar is trying to take advantage. I believe he takes the mouthpiece out of the mouth of Butch for an even more impactful strike as he gets a big kick, but is only only gets a two count on that one. The crowd's stunned. Tyler Bate takes out Or Mensa at this point. Butch hits the Tyler Driver 97, stealing his friend's move. Um, he tries to get the bitter end. It gets countered into a knee bar. Um, he then rolls through on the the knee bar into his little finger hold, only to turn that into a bitter end. One, two, but he kicks out. You know, that could have been the cup. That could have been 
the win for Butch. But on the outside, we see Tyler Bate getting attacked by Gallus, by Wolfgang and um, Joe or Mark Coffee, I believe. I, I get him confused, honestly. And then as we get you know back into the ring, Joe Coffee hits the giant clothesline on Butch. Noam Dar sneaks in for the pinfall victory. One, two, three. And he retains the Heritage Cup. Yeah, this was, um, aside from the pre-match show, this was like the the worst match of, of the night for me. Um, I like Butch. I not Noam Dar doesn't really do a whole lot for me. And like, when the fuck is the, the last time this dude wrestled? Like, they, we, we've been dealing with this Heritage Cup buildup for a while now. And like, I don't remember the last time I've seen the dude in the ring. It feels like months at this point. Um, so if, if if you're gonna wrestle once every three months, like Roman Reigns, uh, perform like Roman Reigns, and uh, Noam Dar does not, I, I think his character is kind of lame. I'm really not a fan of the dude. Um, I would have liked to have seen Butch win, but at the same time, I want to see more Butch on the main roster with Brawling Brutes being like him, him and Ridge being a legitimate tag team force. So no, don't fucking stick him with the cup and and just like you know bury him in NXT. So, I mean, this was the outcome that I wanted just for the sake of being able to continue to see Butch more on the main roster than have to deal with this shit instead. Um, but again, uh, I I hold no love for Noam Dar really in in my heart or really anybody in the meta, to be honest with you. <laughs> Yeah, um, it would have been nice to see him tour with the Heritage Cup on SmackDown. Maybe we could have seen that on SmackDown, and that could have been a nice little change up on there. You know, give him a little bit more publicity and hype him up as a bigger star. But I guess we'll just continue to see whatever the hell they do with it. Maybe we'll get... And I believe he's teaming with Tyler Bate now, so I don't know where Ridge is. I feel like if you had... like. I'd like to see a three-way. This should have just been a three-way between, you know, the Gallus trio, Tyler Bate, Butch, and Ridge. I feel like that's a cute little match. Yeah, yeah, that could be interesting. Um, I I definitely would. You know, I don't I don't know what the plans are in the main roster, but I mean, if they want to have Tyler Bate join them, I'd be all for that. Um. I, I was going to hold off on getting into this conversation until the next match, but uh, this would probably be an appropriate time as well. Um, one of my biggest complaints with the WWE as a company is they take too long to bring people up because you've got guys like Ilya Dragunov, Carmelo Hayes, guys like Tyler Bate that are in their literal physical prime right now and they're showcasing it to a crowd of like 200 people in NXT. Obviously bigger at the PLEs, but at the Performance Center, I don't know what the capacity is, but it ain't a whole lot. And by the time they bring these dudes up, you know, look at LA Knight. LA Knight is 40 years old. Now I love LA Knight. But the thing is, he's 40 years old. His body's beaten down more. Like, really, the only dude that they've done this with in recent memory is Austin Theory. Austin Theory is one of these young dudes that is in his physical prime, and they did bring him up. And you know what? 
uh, we didn't really like him at first, but the dude's growing on me. They're letting him figure it out on the main stage. Whereas you got guys in Ilya Dragunov and Carmelo Hayes that don't need to figure shit out. They're both already gold on a microphone, gold in the ring, and you're literally wasting these dudes' physical prime in your lesser show. And that really, really, really bothers me. Like, do you seriously want to sit here and watch the fucking Miz in a match over having somebody like Ilya Dragunov up on the main roster? Like, this is rant over, but like, that's that's my biggest critique of the WWE right now. Yeah, I, I can definitely agree with you. And I mean, we've already talked about the Creed brothers who should have been moved up by now. Tyler Bate who's been down here longer than Butch was down here. And they, you know, he should have been moved up a long time ago. They brought Butch back. You know, a lot of these people have been down here for so long. And, you know, that's why I I don't want to say maybe that's why they're not bigger stars. But I mean, if you don't give people the opportunity, if you don't give them the time to shine, how can you expect them to? Yeah. And it's not like they're not ready. And, And as we see in this next match, they are ready. So let's get to it. My personal match of the year, Ilya Dragunov versus Carmelo Hayes. Dude, I was so excited for this match. I didn't write a single note during this match because I didn't want to. I wanted to watch the match and absorb it all in its most pure form. And I am so glad that I did because I was so thrilled with this match. I loved every single second of it. There were so many great moments. There was so much storytelling. There was so much selling by both of these guys of like, there could have been a pinfall at any moment. They were great with dramatic kickouts. You know, it it was one of these matches that you see in a WrestleMania or something like that, where these two guys give each other every single move out of their respective libraries and they still manage to kick out. I don't know how many H-bombs that Carmelo Hayes had to eat before Dragunov finally hits one from the top rope to put him down for good and fulfill this man's destiny with gold. Dude, I loved this match. I th- There's nothing else I can say. Yeah, um, I, di- I didn't take too many notes on this one either because, uh, honestly, a lot of the match was just strike here strike there they beat the hell out of each other they they put each other through the ringer and and we see it at the end of the show as well when Melo is talking to trick and he's backstage and his chest is just be red um this was an amazing match so much back and forth two competitors who are it feels that they're very well fitted for each other you know they they push each other you know and Starting right from the entrance, I loved how, you know, not necessarily Elias, but when Melo's coming out and they're showing basically all the other jerseys of the other people that, you know, he's put down as he's come in here, you know, he's hung their jerseys up and they, they're playing voiceovers of each of his former promos as he was talking about these opponents, you know, the West, you know, don't go chasing waterfalls. He's saying, you know, the rivers and streams that you're used to. And, you know, we see Ely's name up there twice. You know what I'm saying? So Melo's coming out here looking to put him down for the third time. And we, I mean, we kind of could have predicted where this was going, especially with the storyline with Trick Willie. But man, 
Dragunov is just a house of fire. That that guy has no chill in him ever at all. You know, I feel like he probably has a lot of road rage. That guy just seems like he's intense at all times. You know, I, I don't even want to handshake with with that guy. You know, he's probably one of those overly firm grippers. That that's who he comes across to me that's as. Me. But he's just <laughs> he's just beating the hell out of this guy, chopping him, slapping him, kicking him. And finally, he sends this guy out of the ring and tells Melo, this is my ring, yelling at Melo, who's on the outside. Uh, finally, you know, we do get some fight back from Melo after he eats some rapid fire chops. A Dragunov calls him out, you know, t- basically telling, you know, what are you going to do? Can you bring anything to me? You know, he gets some good strikes in, but Dragunov puts him down with just a backhand. He just backhands the man, and he's relentless. Melo can't catch his breath. He falls into the ropes, and Dragunov is just forearming, forearming him, chopping him in the back of the in the back of the neck, in the upper back. He just won't let this man go. Oh my goodness! Eventually, you know, Melo does, you know, get back. He gets. Uh, Dragunov in the corner and get some good hits and get some chops of his own. And one of the chops that Melo threw echoed throughout the building. And I mean, there were some strikes in this battle and Melo isn't known for necessarily being the striker. That's obviously Dragunov's forte. But, you know, that throw that chop in there. That was one of the top chops that we saw this weekend, you know, um, Shit, this week, if we're even throwing in Raw in there, and Drew's, you know, big chop that he had on there as well. But the crowd is going wild as well. They're just screaming at the top of their lungs, alternating chants for Dragonov for Melo, and you know, and I and I don't really know necessarily what what's going on as well. From when they played the the Spanish announce feed, they actually just played over everything. So in the background, you can hear the faint English. You can hear the normal things being spoken. You don't hear the announce team, but you can hear the crowd. But since it's got like the overlay of the Spanish announce, everything is kind of muffled in the background. So it's a little harder to hear everything, but can still make out, you know, when people are yelling at each other in the ring, telling them to step the fuck up. But we get some some crazy moves here where eventually, you know, Melo hits a springboard into like a forward DDT, which was disgusting. Um, we eventually get some Germans by Dragnov that he just won't let go. And he Germans him again, um, only to, you know, finally eat an elbow. And then we get this weird Carmelo runs off the ropes, does the whole little person flips you up into the tilt world into like the Tierras, which is like the head takeover. But he like continues to flip through into like another DDT. I don't know. That shit was amazing. Um, eventually, Dragonov gets him up for a power bomb, and he just throws the guy. He just fucking chucks him. Um, eventually, um, he's able. Uh, Melo is able to hit a code breaker. Um, but that code breaker gets caught. You thought. He hit it nice and clean, but no, he catches him, picks the man up, throws him on his shoulder for the nasty Death Valley driver, just rolling right into the turnbuckle, you know, just head, neck jammed into the mat, spine jammed into the turnbuckle. And then he goes up top and Dragunov hits the coast to coast, hitting the dropkick as well. 
Mello's trying to trying to run, trying to get off. He ends up sitting on the rope, gets smacked off, and we get an outside in. Mello's on the apron. Dragunov is in the ropes. Outside in, basically a dead live superplex because Mello's dead weight standing on the apron, and Dragunov pulls him up from the ropes for a, just a giant superplex. Um, eventually, we do get some action from Mello. He does eventually get a code breaker and he hits his own little forearm is that is that what the h-bomb is the the finish from Dragonov? uh again i don't i don't know what they were saying yeah, over there. but he tries to, okay so he tries to hit it himself that doesn't work we get a second rope h-bomb um uh, from Dragonov this time down to mellow and he kicks out we do get him in the corner, Dragunov lining him up, going for his headbutt. Was that Torpedo Moscow or something like that? Only to eat a super kick from Melo. We get another two count. We then get some fighting out on the apron. Both men are, you know, crawling, fighting, slapping, kicking each other, fighting each other, trying to get to their feet as they pull their way up with the ropes on the outside of the apron. Only for Melo to basically hit a suplex into a cutter to the outside. Kind of sloppy, um, but... Even the Spanish announced team called that one out for me. I was able to make that one out. We do get back inside. We get a giant clothesline from Dragunov. He goes up to the top rope. Very top this time. For the giant forearm, the H-bomb. Melo's dead. Uno, dos, tres. Nuevo campeone de NXT. We have a new champion here, folks. And... We got a little bit of sportsmanship after the match. Yeah, they honor each other. You know, it, it it was destiny, man. Dude, there were so many, so many amazing moments in this match. Um, so something that I'd really like to credit the production and camera crew with. So on that deadlift superplex, like the angle that they had it from, with the the cameraman being on the ground, and then Mello being on the apron, and then. Uh, Dragunov being essentially on top of the second rope turnbuckle and just muscling Mello up like from that lower angle was so impactful. Also, the again, we want to talk about so so let's go back to the the Trick Willie match of like, yeah, there were some moments where like Trick Willie isn't the most experienced dude in ring. So like there were some kind of man moments in there j- just based on that. Whereas you look at this match, so dude, that that springboard DDT, it was uh, even commentary said that it was supposed to be a springboard DDT, except because of where Dragonov was, they had to change it to a bulldog in midair because of the positioning. Like, again, these two dudes are so ready to be a dude. Imagine if this was like, if if this was a main event. I know that's a bit of a stretch, but just entertain me. Imagine this was a main event. At one of the WWE main roster PLEs in front of 40,000 people minimum. This match would have been insane with the crowd. Like, I, I don't know what else to say. Like, these two were phenomenal. This match was phenomenal. If this is not a five-star match, I don't know what is. Yes, I know there was that one little sloppy moment on the outside. It, it, it happens. But the reality is... 
they delivered so much. Everything was believable. We, we even had a, a little bit of blood from Dragonov's forehead. I didn't even know when exactly that happened. Um, dude, this was the definition of a banger. Yeah, this match was was wild it was great it was intense and i think that this will be one of those matches that you remember and we're gonna look down the road five years from now when Melo and dragonov are finally both up on the main roster and they somehow end up in the same atmosphere and we're like oh shit forgot what those two could do yeah maybe maybe they will main event a wrestlemania in a couple years who knows but again my biggest gripe they need to bring people up while they're still in their physical prime because we don't know what the future holds. You know, I, I don't I I don't know what these two men's bodies hold. You know, I, I don't know if anybody's dealing with injuries or injuries get worse. And then, you know, uh thankfully Seth got his chances when he was younger but like Seth's got back issues now. So, you know, Seth's around my age and I think Dragonov and Hayes are like late twenties. So what if what if they wait another year to bring them up, and then by then you know somebody's starting to deal with issues, and then we basically had their best moments on the NXT stage when they were essentially robbed because they should be on the main WWE stage, and that's really disappointing. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. They are they are kind of wasting. Unfortunately, I don't want to say it like that, but it does seem that way. They're just kind of wasting some people's time, some of their prime, some of their opportunities, because we all know, you know, not everything is guaranteed, unfortunately. Yep. So we move on from match of the year. Um, we get a quick little thing about the uh, NXT Women's Breakout Tournament. It looks like some of the participants are going to be Lola Vice, Jakar Jackson, Kalani Jordan, Danny Palmer, Ariana Grace uh is he dame i'm trying to see who else i see in here i know that i'm missing some uh carmen jada parker that might be everybody and then this is where they announced that uh we will be getting the uh Gigi Dolan, Blair Davenport match as well as uh Butch and Tyler Bate will have a match together. Um, honestly, dude, like I don't really know very many of these women in the breakouts tournament. You, you got anything on it? No, um, I'm I'm calling Lola Vice to be the winner of that women's breakout tournament. I believe there's the uh, is it Kalani Kalani Jordan? Maybe I think I think we know her. Or she was on the pre-show, right? Yeah, I wasn't impressed. Uh, and uh, Lola Vice is the one out of all of these that I'm the most familiar with. So, I mean, that's that's my gut as well. But, like, I don't really know these these people. Yeah, I, feel you. I, I think she's going to take it. The only other person on there we saw was somebody recently had a, a squash match on NXT. I forget one of their names. But a lot of them, I don't, I've never seen wrestle, nor have I ever heard their name. So, inter- interested to see. You know, I assume these are all just developmental performance center talent, not any names that have come from the, you know, indie scene. So probably, you know, lesser experience. But let's see, we get some potential for some new attitudes, new faces and some new moves. 
Yeah, and I mean, I guess that's why it's a breakout tournament, because we don't know who the fuck they are. <laughs> Maybe we will. So on to our main event, an extreme rules match between the man, Big Time Bex, Becky Lynch versus Tiffany Stratton. Um, some Some fun things as this match starts. Uh, Stratton came out wearing uh, brass knuckles by the time she got into the ring, except she was wearing them wrong. She was wearing them backwards. The ref had to correct her and let them let her know how they uh, appropriately go on one's hands. And Becky makes her entrance, and then when she sees the uh, the brass knuckles, she immediately is like, you know what? Hang on, hang on. I, I I forgot something. She goes back and she brings out her shopping cart full of everything. And that set the tone for this. Uh, This was a really fun match. I would say on most nights, this would be match of the night if we didn't just have one of the most incredible banger matches that we've seen in quite some time. I would say that this could easily be match of the night most nights. However... Not when we had Carmelo Hayes and Ilya Dragunov. Uh, what what do you got on this match? I really like this match. You know what I'm saying? Um, if you know Ilya and them didn't have such a banger, this would have been my match of the night. And I still kind of want to give it to them because it's. I was expecting a hardcore match. You know, I was expecting, and I, I guess my expectations were kind of tapered a little bit after the strap match and i was expecting a lot more from that and i was like oh maybe they're not going to give them too much but it is a ple it was becky and they surprised me um i really enjoyed this but before we get in the match i have a question for you actually yes Uh, um was it me or was tiff's ring attire a little more uh uh cheekier than than usual yeah, um, and then she had all the pearls and stuff on there. Um, there was a certain aesthetic that I felt that she may have been going for, <laughs> but I don't know if that's necessarily what she was after, right? I hope, uh, yeah, that was definitely a thing. Yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure that I was like, I, I mean, it's it's her fairly usual type of ring attire, but I just felt like there were there was a little a little bit more exposure than we usually get uh, from a standard NXT show. I don't know if the ratings on the PLEs are any different. Um, I don't know if it's like PG-13 as opposed to PG or whatever, but uh, she definitely took advantage of that if that was the case. <laughs> yeah, she she definitely did if that's the case. But as we, as we get right into it, and as you mentioned, you know, it starts off with Beck coming out with her little shopping cart. I love the cute little segment earlier when she was backstage shopping. Um, but Tiff, why, why would you get out of the ring when, with her and she has all those weapons? Like, no, you wait for her to come in the ring. She has to come in the ring. Like, you know this. So I, whatever. As soon as she got out the ring, she got fucked up. You know, she ate a kendo stick. She ate the trash can lid. She ate a chair and she looked dumb. Uh, Becky tries to headbutt her with a little construction hat. I thought that was a cute little spot, even though it fell off. She still was able to hit her with it. I like that. Uh, they then just start fighting through the crowd, going all the way up the stairs. There's a little girl who's like, oh, my God, Becky, I love you. And she gives her a high five. And I, I, I love seeing that kind of shit because, you know, that little girl is going to remember that shit the rest of her life. And like 
she did this is probably the best day of her fucking life. So I, I love seeing shit like that. Um, at one point, some random guy hands Becky a big ass chain. I assume she gave that back to him because she walked back down. I, I also assume that he was probably just a plant and they did that on purpose. Okay, I I have something on that. Commentary, English commentary said at one point, I believe that was Becky's stylist or something like that. Like whoever that was, there's a relationship there. I want to say commentary said it was her stylist or some shit. Okay, okay. I'm glad somebody said something because I was like, that's that's you can't just take their stuff. That, that was expensive. That's gold. Um, but they go up the stairs and then they start coming back down the stairs. And as they're coming back down the stairs, uh, Tiff's bleeding. And I don't know when during any of this you could have started to bleed. Um, I don't know if maybe they just took the opportunity walking away from the camera to make that happen. But yeah, Rena, right next to her right eye, she's bleeding. And we don't often see a woman bleeding. You know, the, like, honestly, the last time I could picture a woman bleeding was Becky and her famous becoming the man. You know, so I don't know if this was maybe an ode to that because I do feel that you know, Tiffany gained a couple notches in respect after this match. You know, she's been being looked at highly. I feel like backstage, they've been giving her some opportunities. And I feel like we're likely to see her moving up to the main roster fairly soon as well. So that, you know, eager to see where, where we go with her. But finally, you know, they, they make their way back down to the ringside. Um, Tiffany ends up picking up the steps and just smashing Becky with them. She hits it with the bottom side, which is like the sharp side. And I mean, I don't know. You don't do that. You know, you hit him with the other side. It's a little safer. Eventually, um, they get back inside and Tiffany's just looking for some goodies. She finds a toolbox and begins to just beat down Becky with random tools. First, she has a wrench. Then she has a crowbar. And then she gets a chain, wraps it around her hand, punches her, and then she gets a hammer. And then Becky gets the hammer from her, and she's about to hit her. And I was like, you got to be careful, because I'm pretty sure your husband got disqualified for using a hammer, Becky. So you should probably know better than that. Sledgehammer, no less. But we weren't able to you know, get a hit from the hammer at this point. Um, Strat slows things down with the big sidewalk slam. Then the crowd's chanting for a table. We just saw a wrench, all right? We, we don't need to see tables, all right? I don't shut up with that crap, right? Just let it go. We, we know we're going to get a table eventually. We don't need you to tell the wrestlers how to do what the fuck they're going to do. Just let, just let it fucking happen naturally because it's going to be enjoyable. Um, eventually we get some strength by Big Tiffy. She catches uh, a cross body, but just rolls through to pick her up. Um, they had set up a chair in the corner of the turnbuckle and they kept trying to push each other into that. Eventually Tiff eats it and eats a nasty exploder into the corner before Becky goes up top and hits a big shotgun drop kick here as well. Eventually they end up outside and Tiffany just gets stuffed in the shopping cart and Becky just rams the cart into the steel steps. I, I don't know if that's necessarily going to do a lot of damage. And right here is where the match started to get a little weird for me because then Becky grabs a bag and I'm like, damn, like Tiff's bleeding and now they're going to let him have thumbtacks. I was like, they're really going all out on this one. But then it was a bag full of Barbies. And I was like, okay, it's that's kind of cute because 
you know, Tiffany's supposed to be the Barbie, but I'm pretty sure the crowd booed this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. That, like, yeah, I don't know if, if my sound was coming in differently, but pretty sure the crowd booed it. Um, eventually, after some reverses, we do get like a scorpion death drop by Becky onto the Barbies. And then Becky just starts hitting Tiff with the Barbie. And then Tiff rolls out of the ring and Becky just starts throwing Barbies at her. And then Tiff picks up a trash can lid and is like Captain America blocking all the Barbies from being thrown at her. And I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? It was really weird. And then after throwing Barbies that weren't doing anything, Becky just decides to step out of the ring. And Tiffany Stratton just smacks the shit out of her with this trash can lid. <laughs> it sounded like she hit her so hard. It was fucking great. Um, eventually, though, Becky gains the advantage, stuffs the trash can on Tiff, has her hanging in the ropes, hits the big leg drop. Uh, she tries to hit her from the top, but somehow Tiff is able to dodge it, even though she was inside the trash can. Eventually, puts the trash can down, counters Becky, and hits a big spine buster, sending Becky through the trash can. And as Becky's down, Tiff takes the time to just start loading the ring with chairs. Just chairs on chairs on chairs on chairs on chairs. Um... They both kind of start fighting, trying to get some moves onto the stack of chairs. Eventually, we get like a butterfly, butterfly suplex by Becky into an arm bar. Uh, they eventually roll out of the ring, um, you know, and then as they're both outside, we get an exploder into the barricade, um, which was which was nice. And then for the big crowd pop that they finally been asking for, Becky sets up the table. So now, you know, things are getting hyped. The crowd's really into it. Um, before she can, you know, really get the advantage of setting up that table, Tiff puts her down and Tiff starts looking for her own goodies at this point. And out of nowhere, when she lifts up the apron, Becky's just sitting underneath the ring with the fire extinguisher and just gets her in the face. It looked like somebody's probably hit the crowd and the people in the first row. So they got to be careful with that. Um, but. That was fun. Becky also at one point had a barbed wire bat that she was swinging at her. She caught her one time in the thigh, barely, and then she tried to swing again and then it slipped out of her hands. I assume it slipped. I don't think she just chucked it like that. But I'm like, man, like even with the Barbies, it looked like a lot of things that could have accidentally hit the audience. So just just be a little safe next time. Um. Eventually, we get some some more back and forth. We get a you know rolling DVD on the outside by Tiffany Stratton. She tries a power bomb. Becky reverses it into a hurricanrana. They're both down, but we get the nice you know cartwheel into the back handspring into the back elbow from Tiffany to Becky through the barricade, sends her down. Eventually, they they start fighting by the announce table, and somehow Becky falls off the announce table perfectly into one of the announcer's chair, and Tiffany goes for the big senton. Um, but you know, um, and then Billy she eats the big senton here, and then Tiffany tries to set her up on the table to go for the big swanton, climbs up top and actually hits it to the outside. They they cracked the table. They didn't necessarily go all the way through it, but they broke the table. 
nice big swanton. She throws her in the ring, hits another swanton, and she kicks out. I don't know why you wouldn't hit your moonsault. That's your move. You're going to win. Should have did that, but didn't work. The crowd's feeling it now. The crowd's chanting, this is awesome. We get Tiffany now trying to hit her prettiest moonsault ever, but she misses it. And I believe she lands directly face first into the pile of chairs, only for Becky to hit the manhandle slam. Um, as well, right there. But we only get a two count off of that. Somehow we get the kick out there. Uh, Becky tries to disarm her. Doesn't work. Tiff back on top. She tries the... Or she gets the DVD, tries the moon salts again. And now we actually get the manhandle slam onto the chairs where Becky actually retains, gets the victory. And I heard she actually had to get 11 stitches after this match. Becky did, which I don't remember her getting injured like that no i don't feel like i saw that anywhere but uh if if anything i remember her like pointing to her elbow area after the match um so i don't it, maybe something happened there i don't know but that there were despite this being a good match there were a lot of weird moments there were good moments and there were weird moments um, so one of my favorite moments actually was Tiff bleeding because like you got Tiff in her like whole Barbie vibe, like this pinkish salmon kind of ring attire with all the pearls and whatnot. And then, you know, she's all super done up and, you know, got, got the hair down and hair all did. And then you got her bleeding from her face and her holding a hammer. So you got like this super dolled up girl who's bleeding from the head and wielding a hammer. Like I just loved the picture of that um, and just like the juxtaposition of like the, the crazy pretty girl thing. Um, love that image. But I will say that there were a lot of like not so great moments in here like the barbed wire around that bat was 100% plastic. It looked like fucking plastic. It looked stupid. And honestly, that single moment almost ruined the match for me. It looked so bad and so dumb um, that I was just like, this, this, is, this is terrible. Um, the moment when she uh, Tiff hit Becky with the giant swanton on top of the table and the table barely broke... My reaction was like, wow, that probably really hurt because, <laughs> because the table did not give at all. So both of those women ate pretty much the entire full force of that shot. That sucked for them. Um, another weird moment to go back further into the match. When the crowd was calling for a table and then Tiff said something like, you, uh, you want me to get a table? I'll, I'll go get a table. And then Tiff goes under the ring. And uh, nothing, nothing happened. They gave us a really, really long replay in that time. So, like, we had almost, like, a minute-long replay while I don't know what the fuck was happening. While it, it, either Tiff, like, was trying to get a table but couldn't get it out from under the ring. I don't know. There was a weird moment there that, that kind of bothered me because um, it just kind of killed the momentum. But overall, like... I don't put it on these two women too much, the weird moments, because, uh, like, I doubt that dumb fucking bat was really their call or anything, or, like, you know, I, 
I don't know that that was really 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 bad to me. Um, I I thought Tiff like easily walked away with a concussion because that last manhandle slam onto the chairs, like you can visibly see Tiff's head bounce like a fucking basketball off of the chairs as she's going down. And I'm like, wow, that sucked. These two women beat each other's ass. And yes, I 100% like Tiff gained points in my book for this match. Without a doubt, she did go toe-to-toe with Becky. And I did kind of like what I was saying earlier, how, like, this goes to Becky's advantage because she's been here before. Like, she knows how to go down the crazy road. And I do feel like in the beginning, Tiff thought she did, but was very quickly shown that she didn't. But through the match, as the match went on, she found that within her and was able to like stand up to Becky in that aspect and then still brought in her usual tiff stuff all the all the acrobatic gymnastic stuff you know she hit that beautiful like back handspring in uh down on the floor to the jumping back elbow through the barricade i loved that moment um there were a lot of good moments and a lot of weird moments in this match again still a really really great match and I don't put the weird moments on these two women at all. Yeah, was a lot of fun. Definitely should just replace the bat with the kendo stick. Kendo sticks are probably my favorite item because they, I mean, they do hurt. Then they look good. They sound good. They leave a mark. I mean, there's nothing more you could really ask for other than a good kendo stick. Um, that would have been nice as well. I... And we know that table spot hurt as well, but I just always feel that whenever we don't have the full break, it always diminishes things. But always seeing a good finish on a stack of chairs, that's great. Would it like to see some thumbtacks? That might have set this over the edge. That that itself might have made this match of the night for me just because of how far these women were willing to go. But it, it was a cute little touch with the Barbies. It just got a little weird for me there. The Barbies was weird. Um... I probably would have preferred tax as well. Uh, broken glass, you know, light tubes, anything really. But we know WWE doesn't always like to go down that road. And I'm also not shocked that um, that they wouldn't have women go down that road. Uh, another kind of chuckle moment I had was when Tiff was under the ring, uh, pulling out all of those chairs and she stacked up all the chairs kind of in that corner. They had a close up of her um, getting all of the chairs out from under the ring. And you could tell by the way that the cameraman was, was reacting. You knew that like you had the producer in his ear being like, yeah, keep her ass out of the shot, keep her ass out of the shot. Because like he kept the bottom of the frame, like, perfectly in line with her low back no matter where she was she would bend down she would stand up and like her ass was always out of the shot even if it meant that you had a bunch of junk at the top of the shot you totally knew that the cameraman was being told yeah keep her ass out the shot yeah they they said oh we didn't know that's what she was wearing and we had to you know this is the pg broadcast they said Yeah, they're like, I don't, I don't know what the rating is going to end up being, you know, but but if we include that shot, it sure as shit ain't going to be a PG shot. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, good match. Uh, 
I think we all knew that this was going to happen because they wouldn't have advertised Tegan Ox getting a shot at whatever winner this was on Raw um, if it was going to be Tiffany Stratton. Uh, I, at this point, I don't know who's going to dethrone Becky. My gut is probably Kiana James. Um, that's who I feel like it would probably be because they've already kind of baked that a little bit. It ain't going to be Tegan Ox. Um, that, that girl ain't got the knees for it. <laughs> um, I, I hope it's not Jade Cargill, but maybe they could go that road. But other than that, like as much as I'm enjoying this, this transformation of Thea Hale, it ain't going to be her. Like I honestly, Kiana is the only one that I think like kind of makes sense in the NXT roster right now. Yeah. Like Kiana or, um, I don't know. I don't know where Lyra Vakara has been. They could, they kind of have her. At the upper echelon. I feel like if they really want to push a woman, they need to give that belt to Thea Hale because she could really use that push, right? Especially gain on that momentum of her with the character change. But the only other person I could see as well as Jade Cargill. Usually with the signing, it's a while before they actually are in the system on the program. But I feel like it's Jade Cargill. She could walk in, she could win, and she can win on Raw. And she can start being a star on Raw and just talking and, you know, pretending like this is her show and have Rhea Ripley get bad at her. And that's already you have a a banger storyline to lead into a hyped WrestleMania match or something like that, that you just tease as, you know, she goes down and whoops ass in NXT and continues, you know, to be up on Raw. And, you know, eventually they, they get distracted and have their separate feuds. But they eventually make it back to each other. Yeah, I think um I think the fact that she's showing up as Jade Cargill says everything cuz it's I don't feel like it's super common for I mean first off there's not a ton of like defecting quote unquote to the WWE because uh generally it's considered the well it is by fact, the larger company. That's that's not you know a slight to anybody. It is the larger company. The top paid stars are paid more than any other company. That's also fact. It's not to say that one company is lesser than the other. Those are just straight up facts. So, generally speaking, um, you know we, we've seen more people trickle the other way, but when they do come into the WWE, there's usually a name change or a slight name change or anything. I I feel like it's fairly rare that somebody comes in and maintains their name without it being something like Cody Rhodes of just, you know, there's legacy there on top of it. So I I think she's just going to get the mega push right away. I think it would be kind of silly to throw her down in NXT unless you just immediately give her the belt and that's that. Um, And then does one of these things where half of her defenses are on the main roster shows anyway. I I can stomach that. I still wouldn't prefer it. You can't tell me that, you know... you're going to stick some of these other girls with big time belts and then, and then you're going to force Jade Cargill down to NXT. Like it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Not at all whatsoever. They need to shoot her straight to the moon, 
uh, strap the rocket to her back, whatever people say, because uh, she's a star. So make that money. Yes, sir. Well, this is an uh, NXT No Mercy 2023. It was a banger show, banger matches. Ilya Dragunov has officially become my favorite wrestler thanks to this show. Uh, it was incredible. Take us home, man. Yes, sir. It was a very fun show. We thank everybody for tuning in once again and allowing us to make your lives just a little bit less miserable. Again, we'll catch you next time for some Monday Night Raw action. Should be a fun show. We'll be the go-home episode to Fastlane. So excited to see you all next time. Stay safe. Deuces, deuces. Peace.